So today is Palm Sunday, and we've been talking about dreams a little bit here, and um, we've had some conversations about how our dreams tend to change uh, and shift and kind of morph over time. And originally, this was going to be a sermon talking more about uh, what we felt God's dreams for us as Emmanuel Lutheran Church were in this season of life. And we've talked a little bit about that, but um, our, our future in what normal church looks like, uh, we don't know when that's going to pick up again. We don't know when we're going to get back to our previous routines of worshiping together on Sundays and having youth ministries on Wednesdays and Bible studies and quilting and all of the wonderful things that go on here. <clears throat> so this is more about kingdom dreams. This is more today about Israel's dream for what they thought the king should be like. And then it's about God's kingdom dreams for our lives. So that's what we're going to dig into today. Um, as a kid, I always looked forward to Palm Sunday. There was always something special about the day. You know, if, if they give you a stick to wave around in church, that's a pretty special day, right? Well, I remember getting palm branches every year in Sunday school. And often we would have the opportunity as Sunday school kids to kind of parade through the sanctuary um, during worship, uh, just like we normally do here on a Palm Sunday. And there was a special excitement about this. There was a special excitement, not just because of Palm Sunday, but because I knew as a kid that this was Holy Week, and then it was Easter one week from today, and Easter is always a fun day to celebrate. So Easter is coming. Palm Sunday is, is kind of on the front end of a really dramatic story uh, that we read in the Gospels about Jesus um, coming in, hail this king, and in just a few days, the tables are completely turned, and he ends up going to the cross on Good Friday. But the story doesn't end there either, right? Jesus doesn't stay dead. Jesus raises from the dead. So Palm Sunday is the beginning of this anticipation. We, we, we use the Lent season to think about these things and to kind of lead us through the way that Jesus took right up to Palm Sunday. And there's a whole lot of joy on Palm Sunday. Uh, but there's also a lot of heartbreak and a lot of uh, very serious, solemn moments to come in Holy Week as we remember the Last Supper, as we remember Jesus washing his disciples' feet, his high priestly prayer that we read in the Gospel of John, and ultimately his betrayal, his beating, his trial, his death, but then also his resurrection. So our text from Matthew captures the excitement that I often felt in childhood. And I'm going to read... Uh, Maybe all of it, maybe portions of this again from Matthew 21. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem as a king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. So Matthew's, uh, Matthew here is inserting just a little bit of tidbits. He's saying that Jesus is doing this because um, it actually fulfills a prophecy. And a whole lot of Matthew's um, audience, when he, uh, he wrote down this gospel account, was intended to go to the Jewish people, to the people of Israel, the descendants of David and all of the other 12 tribes. 
And uh, so he's pointing out here, this is a prophecy. This is something that was spoken about hundreds of years ago that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's why he's pointing it out. But what's also interesting here is that uh, Jesus is, is kind of flexing his supernatural muscles a little bit. I don't think Jesus got up really early that morning while his disciples were sleeping and went in and scouted out where to find a donkey. I think Jesus knew. Uh, the Father, the Holy Spirit, had given him this knowledge of where to tell his disciples to go find a donkey. And what's also really interesting about this, um, rabbis weren't known uh, to say to their disciples, go steal it. This would be like Jesus today saying, hey, go downtown in Story City, and there's going to be a Cadillac parked there with the keys in it, and I just want you to take it, and if anyone stops you, just say it's because I need it. The Lord needs it. Um, that's essentially what was happening here. Go steal a car, guys. But it's okay, uh, because this is how you handle it, and it'll just be fine. So Jesus knows right where to find them. He tells his disciples how to handle it, and so that comes to pass. I'm going to continue reading here with verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them, on the donkey and the colt, for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So there's a lot of interesting tidbits in this passage. Um, you know, Palm Sunday originally is about the dawning of a new kingdom for Israel, right? The crowd is proclaiming Hosanna. They're welcoming Jesus as king. They're welcoming him as the promised Messiah. And there's a whole lot that goes along with this. They have waited hundreds of years since the last prophecy about the coming Messiah. Nothing had happened. And so there's this critical mass of people. Maybe there were 20 people that said, hey, let's go, and it just snowballed into a big crowd. Or maybe there were already hundreds, maybe thousands of people in Jerusalem that had seen Jesus, or listened to Jesus, or seen his miracles. Maybe there was just... People knew about him. So when Jesus came in, it was something to be celebrated. So let's dig into this story. There's, there's some significance here. Uh, first of all, when we dig into some of these symbols in Scripture, we often find uh, that there are many less coincidences than we think. Uh, that is the case with palm branches, for example. Now, palm branches signified goodness and victory. And King Solomon actually had palm branches carved on the temple doors on the temple that he built. Palm branches also had a sort of political impl impl implication with them as well. This would be like a country welcoming home a national hero, kind of like a ticker tape parade for an election winner or a four-star general. Um, you think about the winners of the Super Bowl, when they go home to their home city, right, they throw them a parade. And the quarterback says, I'm going to Disney World. And there's this big um, celebration around it. Well, palm branches also have that sort of political implementation around them as well. So when we talk about palm branches, remember that. Goodness, victory, peace, and political implications. So, so Jesus being welcomed in wasn't necessarily how we view Jesus' kingship as Christians today. 
They had a whole lot of different things on their minds, which is the point that we're getting at here. And then what about the cloaks? Um, Matthew and Luke's gospel both tell us that people spread their cloaks on the ground. Um, this is kind of like rolling out the red carpet. If you've ever watched uh, a movie award show or the Emmys or Grammys, uh, when all of the important people show up in their limos, uh, there's this red carpet out. They don't even have to put their feet on the dirty pavement, right? And cloaks, for these people, uh, if you were very wealthy, you might have had more than one cloak. But the odds were most of these people participating in this celebration had one cloak. It was their most expensive piece of clothing. And so they laid them down on the dirty road so that not even Jesus' donkey had to touch the dirt. And you see uh, Jesus' disciples put their cloaks on the donkey. So Jesus didn't even have to touch the animal. So there's a lot of... Uh, very important gravity that goes with this, that so many people would take their most valuable piece of clothing, of which they probably only had one, and throw it down in the dirt to pave the way, to welcome the way for Jesus. So why were they welcoming Jesus this way? What, what was Israel's kingdom dream, right? What was Israel's dream? What were they looking forward to? What were they hoping for here? Israel wanted someone to bring back God's kingdom. But they wanted it to come in the form of the nation of Israel being restored as a geopolitical place. They wanted an actual king on the actual throne in Jerusalem to rule over them as a nation. They wanted their former grandeur to be restored in power and in might. They wanted to be back in power. They wanted to see God's promises brought to life in a different way. But they missed the big picture, didn't they? In looking for the goodness of the kingdom and all that would have come with it, they missed the goodness of the king. They weren't looking for Jesus. They were looking for a kingdom. And in doing so, they missed what Jesus truly was, who Jesus truly is. In looking for the goodness of a kingdom, they missed the goodness of the king. So taking into account what we know now from scriptures and from our experiences with God as, as Christians and as the church, we know that Jesus never intended to or planned to be the earthly king that Israel was looking for, right? He is so much bigger. Um, this is God with us. And this is why we read from the Gospel of John earlier, and we'll touch on it again. This is God with us in the flesh. And we missed it. How often do we miss that reality in our own lives today? How often do we view the body of Christ and the role of the church in a way that is completely different than what Jesus showed us in his life and ministry? He's so much bigger than any of us can wrap our minds around. And that should cause us not to fear or to worry, but to take heart, knowing that Jesus is bigger than our wildest best good dreams of what a king can look like and should look like. So if this wasn't why Jesus came, if the dreams of Israel were not uh, really the dreams of Jesus, they weren't God's dreams for Israel at that time, why did Jesus go through it? Why did he go along with it? Um, you could argue that a whole lot of people had false hope in this, right? So why the big parade? Why the fanfare? Why didn't Jesus say, no, this isn't really exactly what I'm talking about, guys? Well, there's a few different reasons for this, I think. Uh, first, 
Jesus is the king, and he is the Messiah, and he is the savior of Israel and the world. So he could actually rightfully claim this. He could take on this mantle, and he is the only one who could go through the streets on the back of a donkey with the road paved with cloaks and branches and do so without a hint of pride, to do so without a hint of arrogance. He was the only one that could rightfully claim this. The kingdom Jesus brought is so much more valuable and powerful than what these people wanted. And this helps to set the stage for something that seems tragic but is infinitely better. Jesus didn't just go through it because he was the king, uh, but because this sets the stage for the beginning of the end, which is a beginning in and of itself. This sets the stage for the crucifixion and for the resurrection that we will remember and celebrate in a week. Palm Sunday was absolutely necessary for Good Friday and then for Easter. Uh, so Jesus is fulfilling God's dreams for him and for his life so that God's kingdom dreams, his good and perfect dreams, could begin to be realized here on earth. And let's face it, Jesus did come to establish the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He did it for his people. He does it in our hearts, and he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a kingdom that endures. It is not a kingdom that was for that time. It is a kingdom that transcends time, that you and I and every single person on this planet is called to be a part of, which is why we proclaim the good news of Jesus as a church and as his people. So when we celebrate Palm Sunday, we welcome Jesus as king, not as our political leader, not as an earthly and temporary king, but as the king of our hearts, the king of our lives. We welcome Jesus in the way that the Gospels teach, that Jesus became flesh so that we would know God. Not to gain a political leader. And the Holy Spirit is God in us and with us. The Spirit of Jesus is incarnate in his church and God's people. That's the kingdom of God for us today. It is God's presence and work in us and through us as the church. And, and God still works in many ways above that and below that and around that. But when we realize God's kingdom in our lives, it is because we know Jesus. And it is because we have experienced grace through faith, we have experienced forgiveness of our sins, and we experience the true hope that is found in Jesus Christ. I'm going to circle back to John chapter 1 here. Because this is what God's kingdom in our hearts looks like. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet he came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him, hence the coming events of Holy Week. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh 
made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it is out of his fullness, Jesus' fullness, that we all receive grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus is God with us. He is Emmanuel. And today, Jesus is God with us through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we live for. This is what we breathe for. This is our calling. This is our purpose. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The light, the life that all of us desire to have grow in us as we pursue Jesus in our lives. And now the Word himself has set himself up as the king of our hearts through the presence and life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate Palm Sunday because Jesus conquered death and established his good, grace-filled, and eternal kingdom in our hearts and in our church. And this is our joy today. This is where we experience joy. And it's a joy that doesn't have to be tainted with the events that we're going to remember in the coming week. It's a joy that we can experience fully in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is our freedom with the one true King. This is where we find freedom, with Jesus as King of our hearts. So let's let the peace of God reign in our hearts this morning and today and every day, and for our witness to the world around us. Let's pray. Jesus, we proclaim that you are the king of our hearts, you are the king of our lives, and we are oh so thankful for your grace and for your goodness. We are so thankful that you came to be God with us. We are so thankful that you would humble yourself to the cross and take on the punishment we deserve for our sins. And Lord, we are so grateful that you did not stay in that tomb, but that you are alive. And in our hope and in our faith as a church, we pray to you, Lord Jesus, knowing that you are alive today and that you are still working and that your goodness is still in us and with us through your presence, through your spirit, that you promised to your disciples and then unleashed in the world in a new way through Pentecost. And Lord, I pray that we would experience that freedom today, the freedom that comes with knowing you as our King, as our Lord, in whatever way today that we haven't realized that, we pray that through your Spirit, you would open doors in our hearts and let your loving peace flood in. I pray all of us would feel freedom in this moment. Not the temporary freedom that comes with being a citizen of a certain country, but true eternal freedom because of you, Jesus. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen.